It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by Flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get through right it. Now the COVID-19 vaccine are available to millions of Americans and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, to hug her and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people, and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner. we got a great one in store coming up in the third half of our three-hour tour. We're going to talk with uh, author and publisher Michael Anderley about his latest uh, series called How to Be a Badass Vigilante. And uh, then coming up in the second hour, we'll be talking with... Um, Alexander Hinton, who is uh, the UNESCO Chair on Genocide Prevention and author of a new book called It Can Happen Here. But first, we're going to talk with uh, uh, my my guest this first hour, who uh, has just written a book called Surviving Remote Work, and he joins me by phone, Sharon Koifman. Am I saying that right, Sharon? Welcome to the show. You, you, you got it perfect of the first shot. That doesn't always happen. <laughs> well, I paid attention to how you pronounced your first name, but you didn't say your your last name, so I, I was a little nervous. I was winging it, but uh, I'm glad. No, that, no, you got it right. Perfect. I'm, I'm, You're clearly an expert. I'm, I'm terrible with names, but, uh, but <laughs> I, I, I'm glad I got it right this time. Um, but I want to ask you about the title of your book, Surviving Remote Work. You've worked remotely for, you've been running businesses remotely for a couple of decades. 
Um, why the name surviving remote work and not thriving with remote work? Okay, well, uh, uh, for, first of all, uh, the book is not for me. The book is for the uh, person that is being introduced to the, this wonderful world of remote for the first time and needs to uh, survive. And, you know, it's a, it's a play on words. I'm clearly, it is all about thriving, but the book has a really humorous touch to it to keep people entertained while they're reading, um, hopefully, a very educational business and management book. And, and the whole reason that we're even talking about remote work or that it's it's worthy of a book at this time is uh, largely due to the pandemic and its impact especially here in the US which I'm more familiar with than other parts of the world but uh, because of the pandemic COVID-19 a lot of places had to shut down a year and a half ago and um, so businesses started exploring and a little awkwardly at first with the idea of uh, people working remotely or working from home via Zoom and, and other uh, platforms. And I, I, I can't help wondering, when you saw all this happening, it was new to other people, but did you think, well, that's the obvious solution? Well, look, I... Look, I, I've been advocating remote for <laughs> for the past twelve years, and you know, way before all this COVID happened, I already uh, been reading research and uh, figuring out that that remote people tend to be so much more productive, so much more happier and more independent. I mean, there's some research from MIT Sloan and that was done five years ago. But clearly, uh, when COVID came, I mean, for before COVID, it was like a secret weapon for a very few, um, very unique companies. And any time that I would sell my services for individuals that, that needed remote recruitment, it was like I was twisting their arm. But when COVID came, it seems like people finally starting to to get it and to understand the power of letting people work from home and that's when i realized that i need to write the book now your first time out and i'm not sure it was your first time but early in your career working remotely which you were inspired to do a little bit by your dad who did a lot of his work at home um even though he had to he, he was a designer or a, an engineer and he would design things and then send them out to be uh fabricated but he um but he did a lot of the design work at home so you were familiar with that that concept when you began your career but you started out um at, at the time when uh we had the the internet boom and and then the uh the the falling out but you got caught up in that group of people who invested heavily in india and got workers yeah. from India, and then you found that something was lacking in the culture of your company, and it kind of informed the way you moved forward with remote businesses. Right, well, it was it was a big deal. So first of all, yes, my dad just my, my dad blew my mind since I was a kid. I, I had no idea 
if my dad is a brilliant engineer or not, which later on in life I learned that my dad is really, really a fantastic engineer, but he would literally sit there, design entire machines on his computer, and let the machine shop build it. Right. right, and we're talking about uh, multi-million dollar machines. This was not some invention or something. This is for a very old school uh, industry, cable and wire manufacturing. So all your electricity and phone cables and cables that you have in cars, there was a machine that needs to do it. And he was building those machines off his computer. And every uh, and the only thing that he ever needed from me, because I was such a uh, techie from young age, is like, Sharon, go build me a computer that can do, that I can draft. And it would sit on AutoCAD and just design them. Right? And it, was, it just <laughs> blew my mind that he can build massive, multi-million dollar machines just sitting at home and letting a machine shop. And, but, and to your second point with, with India, yes, this was... A tremendous experience. I, I started with my first company, which was 18, 19 years ago. I, I, it, was, it was not, back then, it was not a question of, of managing a company for my computer. I was, uh, I, I was more excited about the arbitrage of people working for $200 a month. And, and I said, this is a way that I can build a very big company, which I very learned very quickly learned that it is not. <laughs> well, at least, Sharon, that there was more to it than that. that. That's exactly, to be fair, because other people really did build big companies based on Indian outsourcing and Indian employment. But for me, I, I, because I was a kid back then, I said, oh, people working for $200 a month, I can just let them run around 10 people for the price of one person. And just let them do the thing. And because I lack that personal touch, that that real knowledge in remote management, I caused a lot of damage to my first company. But it was a great education because then I learned that in order that in order to build a real remote team, even if you pay them, and that's not possible anymore. But even if you pay them small, two hundred, five hundred dollars a month, you gotta treat them like they're six-digit salary employees. But if if you if you treat them as just a bunch of extras on the other side, this is how you're doomed to fail, and how people fail all the time. Forgetting about the fact that India has somewhat of a separate culture that you need to learn how to work with, it was it was not just about India; it was about my attitude towards very very affordable people. And and you thought you know everybody would think like you thought. Yes, I mean, I mean, until today, right? There is a very bad mentality uh, where it comes to this multi-billion-dollar outsourcing industry. Um, outsourcing, as far as I'm concerned, until today, is not a healthy model. It's a healthy model if you're if you're a um, real estate company and you want a web design, yes, of course, this is what outsourcing is made for. But this concept of um, you're a software company, you're a technology company, and you are outsourcing to another company because they're affordable, without paying attention to the culture, without paying attention to the processes, just because they're affordable, you lose that soul of your company I mean, people actually come to you to pay you money for a certain methodology to build the software, and you go and you give it to an outsourcing company. That's a failed process. 
And one of the reasons why I built Distant Job in the first place because Distant Job is about people. People that want to integrate as part of your processes, as part of your culture. And that's how this entire remote experience actually makes sense instead of the old outsourcing model that existed before. Um, was remote was working remotely already on the rise when the pandemic hit did it just did the pandemic just accelerate a trend that was already in the wind look it was it, it was i like to think that it was unavoidable but companies have resisted it so badly right i i had so much experience even with companies where we have succeeded right I, I like to think that we succeed a lot in delivering amazing people but it was obviously great people and they obviously liked this individuals and the company would go to us look we really like your person that you delivered to us it was great but our company decided to just get everybody to the office and it would let go people resisted so much so it was I would say that yes there's more and more people that accepted it, but it was a very, very slow uphill bottle. And COVID just exploded it. And now and now companies that want to resist um, remote are in trouble because they will potentially lose some of their quality individuals, and speci especially in the tech industry. Yeah, and I want to dig down on that some, as you have in your book. The book is uh, called Surviving Remote Work, written by uh, my guest Sharon Koifman. And um, Sharon, um, I have to take a uh, a break here. Can you stick around for a few minutes so we can talk some more? But, but of course, that'll be fun. All right, great. Um, if you're uh, listening to us on 92.1 FM, Our Voices Radio in Flint, um, they are a broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House Spectacle Productions and my good friend Paul Herring. We're going to let them uh, stream, uh, squeeze in a few words edgewise or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well, and uh, then we're going to continue our uh, remote broadcast <laughs> um, with uh, the author of Surviving Remote Work, Sharon Koifman, when we return. Don't forget, tomorrow is uh, Armchair Politics, our weekly roundtable, and we'll, uh, uh, that's uh, for two hours from 10 to noon with our... Uh, commentary and analysis on uh, local state and national headlines and uh, current events but our guest in the first hour is uh, a regular visitor to the show uh, economist chris douglas from the university of michigan uh, flint will join us and uh, give us a little update on what's happening now that lots of people are starting to head back to work and how that's going to impact the economy so don't touch that dial don't click that mouse we have more of the tom sumner program coming up straight ahead Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-Double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs>
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's, that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview always. You, you, <laughs> it's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org.
This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, well, welcome back to the show, everybody. Uh, my conversation uh, continues with the author of a new book, Surviving Remote Work. The author is uh, Sharon Koifman, and he joins me by phone. Sharon, welcome back, and thanks for sticking around. Sorry to make you sit through all that. Uh, not at all. Thank you, Tom. Thank you for having me. Um, we were talking about the reluctance employers had pre-pandemic to the idea of remote work, even though eh, people were starting to get the idea that it was kind of a cool thing. Um, then when the pandemic came along, they were forced to sort of use it as a uh, a fallback, um, and, and they learned very quickly that it was possible to continue to work and and be productive and in some cases even more productive with their employees working from home um Mm -hmm. now people are starting to go back to work um what do you think these employers are going to run into Are, are they going to be anxious to have people back in the the workplace in person or are they going to be more receptive to making the option of working from home available? Look, employers with no questions are super anxious. They are um, quite a few have invested so much into their company's culture and the way that people interact on a daily basis that, uh, you know, the, the idea in the first place of sending Sending people to uh, sending people home was a conflict for them, and it still is. Right? They understand that they don't have a choice because they have exposed many many of their employees to this new way of working, and a lot of people love it. So they so people talk about hybrid, and they talk about one day a week, or the you still see an incredible amount of resistance from the companies. They're, they're still not excited about it, but they understand that now they don't necessarily have a choice. And well, um, that, that's the reality. What are the elements that they're, that they're missing about having their employees work remotely and, um, and, and having it work well for them how are they not making the best of what could be a better situation so they the the, the discussion that is on the on the table all the time is how do i maintain my culture through uh through this remote experience they that the, the the discussion is always how do like I just had I, I tried to interview as many people as possible about their challenges and just um, last uh, last week uh, uh, a person in in uh, investment firm was was explaining to me that look we like to sit around the table and get creative and also every time. <clears throat> that have we we get new employees all the time and they kind of help each other and in and I and I don't seem to be able to replicate that experience in in a remote environment so so people really really do feel that they had something going on in the physical world and they're just and they're just not and they're just not able to do a remote the truth is at least in my interpretation is that they have not tried tried it properly, 
and they're just fighting it on a continuous basis. So they might as well go back to the office because they, if you, after all the signs that shows that people are significantly more productive and you can still create an incredible culture, you resist it, that means you're not built for it. Well, should they, shouldn't they be having a different conversation instead of trying to figure out how to maintain the culture they had pre-pandemic? Shouldn't they be changing their culture to one that works post-pandemic? They should, but uh, they had about a hundred years of, uh, <laughs> of the usual. It, it really is the reason why there's resistance at the end of the day. Psychologically, um, we are we, we are used to a certain level of doing things. Um, the company is usually run by somebody who has been doing this for thirty, forty years, and and this is. This is new, this is fast, and, and it's not, uh, and it cannot be accepted by everyone. You know, and sometimes, and, and this one I agree with, sometimes, sometimes you've got to ask yourself, why fix something that already works? Besides that it's not going to work for long, because people, your employees will, will want to stay remote. And, you know, and I, and I, one of my biggest motivation, one of my biggest resentment, especially in the companies that are known for creating uh, great culture, the like the Googles and the Facebook that, that you see, the people sitting on beanbags, happy hours, ping pong, and someone stay productive. What we don't notice behind the scene is that they always uproot people from their own community in order to move to to those uh, to those super great culture offices and they get this individuals working hours and hours and hours without having connection to to their families so, so for single guys and gals this is a, this could be fun and great but for a family man uh, or a family a family woman it's it's not it's it's not that exciting, <laughs> right? It's it's nice to if you make me work ten twelve hours a day, which is the reality as a CEO of a forty five employee company. I would like to see my kids, and this is and this is something that the Googles of the world do not understand. And isn't it a, a mistake, regardless of how high tech a company is, um, when they're answer to why they want to do something is that's the way we've always done it uh, that you, you'll get no extra comments from me it, yes it is a mistake <laughs> right it is very much a mistake and uh, it's tough to change human nature people got comfortable with a specific system I think they're completely wrong, <laughs> right? But uh, it's also, it's, it's hard. It's, I also humbly say that I don't run a multi-billion dollar company. Maybe there's something, maybe there's a component that I'm missing. But based on the, based on the uh, companies that I interviewed for the book and the, the people that I had a uh, discussion with, it really is all about a company resisting. And when they're resisting is the reason why the remote experience is not great in the first place. Are, are there companies uh, that, that you interviewed and talked to or observed that, um, that discovered a whole new world during the pandemic by uh, uh, 
reorganizing itself into a, a remote way of doing things? Look, even it, so going back to the tech companies, which is where I specialize, you know, my company is about delivering techie. So I really focus on that and, and it's not personal interviews, but you're seeing, but I've seen research with several big companies that just notice this huge increase in productivity, right? They, they actually, they, they actually saw that things are, are working better and, and they, and they themselves were surprised because, uh, you know, tra all, all, all the traditional companies think that productivity means sitting on your butt in the office. But there's actually uh, research that shows uh, that um, in, an, in an office environment, uh, an average employee in an eight-hour shift only produces an average of two hours and 53 minutes of work. And, you know, when you send them home, there's a lot less distractions and a lot, a lot more opportunity to be more productive. And they're shocked. And they see, oh, my God, there's more work. Yeah, I think a lot of companies expected early on, and they did have some problems with kids and pets and other things sort of interrupting and being a distraction, especially during face-to-face uh, -face meetings over Zoom and other platforms. Um, but people have, have really kind of gotten that under control over the last year. They, they really did look I, for, for, for a period of two to three months. I, could not, I have two babies, uh, a four-year-old and a two-year-old, which they are the center of my life. And, and I love the fact that I get to hang out with them. But the, this, this blessing was clearly a curse also because <laughs> my parents could Daddy's not come. Gotta, Daddy's got to work too. <laughs> Daddy, daddy got to work, and I and I'm perfectly happy to be a stay-at-home daddy. I, I'm I'm obsessed with those two creatures, and and I love the fact that I get to see them. But I I had and my wife runs a business also, so we're we work as a team. We work as a team on that. So we we needed to come up with a strategy, and the strategy was um, a chunk of hours undistracted, which means. You give me, you know, usually it was not the most productive time of my life, although I did manage to write to the book during that period at night. But um, I asked for six hours of undisrupted um, work, and she asked for four hours. So that means that I took care of the kids, making sure that they don't enter mommy's office and vice versa. And we, again, we got so much more production than what you would get on average in an office environment. And still manage to eat and sleep. Ah, questionable. <laughs> <laughs> it was a strange time. It was a strange time because, because I, I cut up on work when I put the kids to sleep. So there was, and I believe in having a social life. I think it's a major component of a productive, uh, productive day to actually uh, have the relaxed time, have the social time. It's very, very important for your brain. And for those two months, it was not the case because we had that chunk of undistracted hours. We would put the kids uh, to sleep quickly, and then and I would keep on working at night. 
to to catch up of all the work. It was it was a little rough, but it was for two to three months. <clears throat> and then it, then at least in Canada, they let us have a nanny after that, and they let us uh, after that, and very quickly after that, they, uh, they let me take it, uh, the kids to daycare. Then the world kind of got to a more balanced environment. Right, right. I, I remember uh, in the, the very early days of uh, people beginning to work remotely watching some of the uh, network news people, uh, broadcast and cable, uh, doing shows from their basements. And they were pretty awful <laughs> at first. <laughs> it, it took a while before they got the green screens and the better cameras and microphones and stuff into people's basements. And, and then they, they actually started doing some much better broadcasts. But in the, um, in the book, you talk about some communications technology that no one is using that that might make things better what are some what are some tools and and some resources that businesses can look to to make the uh, uh, inclusion of remote work more palatable well so here's here's the deal first of all we gotta understand why we're investing in technology right first of all the 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 key to this investment is to make the communication experience as intimate as you would have face-to-face. So I, in my book, I discuss what I call the whatchamacallit effect. It's somewhat of an extension over the Zoom fatigue. The whatchamacallit effect is all the tiny little distractions that you have in a, communica- in, in a Zoom call or, or any kind of video call that just prevent you from having a nice, relaxed discussion. So it is the little scratches. It is the latencies. It is the equipment not working. Is your internet not being fast enough? And all that ends up ends up making your communication tools tools that you do not want to use. It's subconscious. It's you're you subconsciously get exhausted with having those tools. And that's why you absolutely need to invest in better in better equipment. And your company needs to invest in you. So you when you get yourself first of all get yourself better internet internet uh, whatever whatever package that you have right now with your local internet provider upgraded by two right it is by having an overkill on your internet you are you, you are um you are reducing latency you're improving um any little bu- any little um dysfunctions anything at all um, you're reducing by getting a package to uh, twice as big. You need to get a really good headset. A really good headset is not your audiophile um, music headset. It's not the Bose. It's not the the Beats. It is. It has to be uh, from two companies, or from Plotronics, or from Jabra. I'm currently using, and you see, this is. This is not just a microphone I use to talk on the radio. It actually is my day-to-day uh, communication tool. I'm using the Jabra Evolve 75. Now, Jabra Evolve has already made even better headsets. And that, and, and that, and that is so, so important to be heard and to, 
to be heard and to hear the other person with perfect sound makes the entire web experience better. We we use Slack um, for for having that uh, water cooler experience because you on Slack you get to see all the employees and you can nudge anybody because that's what what you're trying to do. You're trying to replicate the you're in the office and you see everybody and you can communicate with anybody very easily. Um, we use um, amazing plugins for for uh, um, for uh, Slack. So, for example, we use Donut, which is a great tool for getting our culture to a, to a much to a much higher level because Donut forces um, two random uh, people on on the Slack group, which is uh, my company, to get to hang out for 15 minutes and talk about themselves and get to get to know each other that is huge for culture i also love in slack the plugin of uh, the zoom plugin that gives me the opportunity to just type in slash zoom and you immediately go to the immediately go to the video conference now this is a big deal it's a small thing but that 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 ability to transition from text to video it is. It gives you. It gives you the experience of, of in an office environment where you get to tell tell somebody, "Hey, George, come to the conference room." And here you can just do slash Zoom, and you're already in the room. Because before the conference tools, you needed to set up time. You need to plug in. You, you. It would take you literally two to five minutes to set up a room, and again, those small things is what distract you from 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 going to the room in the first place. Ex- tiny little extra efforts um, hurts the 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 experience of feeling like everything is easy around. At the end of the day, your job in a remote environment is to replicate the good things that come from the office. There's plenty of really bad things that you want to avoid, like the distractions and the continuous meetings. But your mission at the end of the day is to ask: Is my com- remote company? working as smoothly as what I would have in the office. And if it does, you're, you have invested in the right technology. What about, what have you learned in your years of uh, running companies remotely uh, about security? Security is all, so first of all, um, there's two ways that you need to evaluate how security intensive is your company? What is your security needs? Some of them can be easily solved by just using um, really high-end cloud tools that you know that are secure, that are working very well. But if your company has some serious security concerns, you need to hire the right IT company, if not a full-time IT person. And there's one secret to get this right, whether you're hiring an outsourced IT company or or iron house, you got to make sure that the IT specialist has enough time, right? That he or she are are, are not just running around like chickens without a head. They they have continuous time to think, because when when you give spare time to your IT Hello, Sharon. Well, welcome to live radio, folks. Uh, Sharon just uh, 
I'm not getting his audio anymore. Maybe he can uh, disconnect and call back and we can reconnect and wrap things up. But um, my my guest is uh, Sharon Koifman. He is the um, CEO. I apologize. Oh, there you go. There you go. You got Sorry. You got so, muted on me so somehow. I, I got some muted. Oh, the, you see, this is the annoying thing that could happen <laughs> in a remote experience that you don't have. I just wanted to show to the world. Right. Gotcha. Uh, so so just quickly, the spare time is the the spare time is what really matters because then they can evaluate all the loopholes, all the issues. Then they can get creative and focus on your security. So that's the key secret, is not to fix all security issues yourself, although there's many tools out there, is to have, uh, to have a security specialist with a lot of spare time. Excellent. The, um, we're, we're getting close to the end of our time, Sharon, and I, I always want to give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you, about your company, Distance Job Remote Placement uh, Agency, and, of course, the, the book Surviving Remote Work. Uh, but all of your work, past, present, and future, do you have a website? So, first of all, uh, we have um, two websites. One of them is distantjob.com. And this is where we go and find the best and the smartest people all over the world. We are the first remote recruitment agency, and I like to think the best. And we go across the world to solicit uh, amazing individuals from established companies, and they work remotely for North American technology companies. Um, going, taking advantage of the massive pool of talent gives us gives us the ability to find better people faster. We also have. Um, Think Remote, which is our media company, which is all about teaching people about uh, uh, remote management and remote work and uh, getting uh, news up to date from remote. So we are the media company for everything that has to do remote. It's called thinkremote.com. And of course, don't forget, Surviving Remote Work on Amazon. Um, read my book. I'm happy to answer. You can always email me at Sharon at distantjob.com if you have any questions. Well, Sharon, thanks. It's been a uh, privilege getting to know you a little bit, and uh, thank you for spending this time with me uh, this morning to share your knowledge and uh, information from your new book, Surviving Remote Work. Tom, thank you so much. It was so, what a, what an amazing, amazing interview. It was so nice, so nice to have a conversation with somebody. Who just seems to be so up to date on things. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it, it helps when I have an expert along for the ride. Thanks, <laughs> thanks so much, Sharon. Thank you so much, Don. Have a wonderful day. You too. Take care. Uh, again, that was uh, Sharon Koifman, the uh, CEO of Distance Job or Distant Job Remote Placement Agency, and the author of Surviving Remote Work. And uh, with that, we're going to take uh, another break. If you're listening to us on WFOV 92.1 LPFM in Flint, they are a broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House Spectacle Productions and my friend Paul Herring. We're going to let them squeeze a few words in edgewise or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. So don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. There's uh, lots more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. We got 
two more hours and two more great guests. So hang around, stay with us, and uh, we'll be back right after this. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Start your weekend early with the Tom Sumner Program every Friday live at 11. We turn the spotlight on the world of arts and entertainment featuring artists from music, TV, and the movies. Catch everything from the rich local talent pool in and around Flint and Genesee County to up-and-coming stars of stage and screen, plus legends from New York and Hollywood. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is... This is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Start your weekend right. Go to 11 Fridays on the Tom Sumner Program. Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the bath. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org. 
or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Tom Summer Program.com Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Ladies and gentlemen, in Philip Rapp's creation, The Bickersons! This day will go down in history as precedent-shattering. John Bickerson is smiling. Despite the lateness of the hour, the fact that he has had perhaps the hardest day of his life at the office, John Bickerson is smiling. Why? Tell us, John. Two weeks vacation with pay. Wait till I tell Blanche, brother, how I've longed for this. I'll sew myself into the bedsheets and sleep for ten days. John? Hello, Blanche. How is my beautiful wife? What? Would you like me to bring you a glass of milk and a cookie? And here's a little present for you. You look wonderful, honey. Oh, this is awful. What's the matter? This morning I burned my hand on the stove. I ripped my only pair of nylons. My inlay fell out, and now you come home drunk. What are you talking about? I'm not drunk and you know it. Then why are you so nice to me? What's the use? When I come home tired, can't smile, she beefs. When I come home and try to be pleasant, she accuses me. Put out the lights. You're not going to bed with your shoes on. Yes, I am. I work like a horse. I might as well sleep like a horse. Why did you bring me a present? What have you been up to, John? Bring his wife a present. Oh, stop it. A husband doesn't bring his wife a present unless he's done something wrong. I've brought you a million presents and I've never done anything wrong. Never. Not since the day I married you. I wish you'd let me sleep. Sure. Sleep. That's the easiest way out when you've got a guilty conscience. Blanche, I tell you, I haven't got a guilty conscience. Then why did you buy me an expensive present? It isn't an expensive present. It's the crummiest present I could find. I could believe that, all right. What is it? Why don't you open it and see? I bet you've gone and thrown away your money on some stupid thing I can't even use. Oh, you can use it fine. A home beauty outfit. It's got everything, just what you need. Wrinkle cream, freckle remover, hair darkener, false eyelashes, chin reducing strap. What kind of a present do you call this? What are you hinting at? How did I know what was in it? Nobody would use this but a homely woman. Oh, that's not true. All women use it. They do not. Only the homely ones and I wouldn't touch it. The sales girl in the drugstore said she uses it all the time, and she's not half as homely as you are. What? I mean, you're just as pretty. And that's just about what happened. You walked into a drugstore, saw a pretty face, and didn't know what you were buying. I didn't look at her face at all. If you were going to buy me a present, why didn't you buy me something I could use? Why didn't you get me an ounce of taboo? What's that? My favorite perfume. Well, you've got a dresser full of perfume. Taboo, Sabu, Snafu, Sterno. Enough perfume for any woman alive. Look at those bottles. They're all empty. And it's all your fault. You left the corks out and it evaporated. I leave the cork out of my bourbon, don't I? Well, what about it? That never evaporates. You never give it a chance. I don't see why I should have to do without because of your nasty habits. What do you think makes a thing dry up, John? Wish I knew. Don't be so funny. Oh, I'm not funny. I'm sleepy. 
You know I worked at the office 18 hours without a let up. That's what you said you did. That's what I did. I did it for what I thought was a good reason, but now I'm sorry. Why? Forget it. What is it, John? What happened? (gasps) You lost your job. I didn't lose my job. I got two weeks vacation with pay. It's the first vacation I've had in seven years, and I wanted to enjoy it. But no, you wouldn't stand for that, would you? How can you say that, John? Of course I want you to enjoy yourself. Where's the money? In my wallet. Two whole weeks pay. Now, do you mind if I rest? You know, John, I haven't had a vacation either. A change of scene will do us both a world of good. If you're so tired, there's only one thing in the world for you to do. He's doing it. Where did he say that money was? Oh, here it is. Two weeks' pay. Blanche, put that money back. Oh, I, I thought you were sleeping, dear. What were you doing with that money? What's the matter, Blanche? I, I'm not doing anything. I'm just counting it to see if they gave you the right amount. It's the right amount. Put it back and go to sleep. You needn't talk like that. I wasn't going to steal it. Who said you were? Just like you to make a crack like that. I didn't make any cracks at all. Go on. Call the police. Have me arrested. Put me in prison. Nobody's putting you in prison. They'll lock me up in solitary confinement. Rats running all over me in my cell. And I stand helpless, shaking, behind iron bars. No way to escape. Blanche. Oh, why don't you send me a hacksaw, John? You're getting hysterical. Well, don't go accusing me of taking your money. It's half mine anyway. It's all yours. All I want is sleep. I don't see why we can't go away on a vacation for a few days. You go. I told you I'm going to do nothing but sleep for the whole two weeks. You'll have to get up sometime. Not even once. How are you going to collect your unemployment insurance? What unemployment insurance? You're going to be out of work for two weeks. You can't collect unemployment insurance if you've got a job. If you're not working, you haven't got a job, have you? That's different. Why? I don't know why. Nobody does it, that's all. Well, what's the good of unemployment insurance if you don't get any money when you're unemployed? Being on vacation is not the same as being unemployed. Don't tell me. What? Clara's husband, Barney, has never had a job his whole life, and he collects his unemployment check every week. He can't collect any checks if he doesn't work. I thought you said they only pay you when you don't work. That's right. But you have to work before you can be out of work so you have a legitimate claim for the money you earned that you don't get. I don't get it. Oh, leave me alone. And I'm telling you now, John, you've got two weeks off and you're going to do one of two things. Do you hear me? I hear you. Either you start collecting your unemployment insurance or else you fill in those two weeks with another job. Another job? This is my vacation. I don't care. It won't hurt you to work those two weeks. And we could use the money. Okay, I'll get another job in the morning. You say it, but you won't do it. Do it now. What? Go on, get up, get a job, you loafer. What kind of a job can I get at 2 o'clock in the morning? What's the matter with being a night watchman? I won't do it. I won't do it. You've got no right to deprive me of my two weeks off. I don't care what happens, I won't get another job. All right, then. Promise you'll take me away on a vacation. There's no way out. I promise. Will you swear? Every minute that we're away. I know where we'll go. Lake Tahoe. 
I'll only have to buy a few more dresses, and you can wear your dungarees all the time. Okay. Just tell them you came in from fishing. And if it gets cold, I've got just the thing. Let me show you what I picked up on sale yesterday. I don't want to see it. Just look at this, John. Isn't it stunning? What's so stunning about a bath rug? It's a fur cape, silly. Well, where's the fur? Well, that's the way it's supposed to look. It's the very latest style. Sheared beaver. Sheared beaver? It's been clipped. So have I. You have not. This is worth every penny, John. You know I'm a good judge of furs. Oh, sure. The past two years you bought a bald mink and a plucked skunk. Well, what's wrong with them? The mink stinks and the skunk shrunk. Blanche, how much did you pay for this one? Only $94. $94? Oh, Blanche, you didn't. Get that money back, you hear me? Get that money back. Don't get hysterical. As soon as the... Blanche, how could you do this to me? I deny myself everything. I've been sewing heels on your old pocketbooks and wearing them for shoes. I've been eating the padding out of my overcoat shoulders to save on breakfast cereal. I don't even drink my bourbon anymore. I just chew the cork and hit myself on the head with the bottle. I never spend a nickel on myself. You bought a bag of popcorn yesterday. That wasn't popcorn. My teeth fell out from malnutrition. I'm warning you, Blanche. Blanche, you're not going to get away with it. What do you want? Hello, Bickerson. This is Mr. Guernsey. Yes. Uh, oh, hello, Mr. Guernsey. I hate to be calling you at this hour, Bickerson, but something very urgent has come up. What happened? I just received word that our Chicago plant burned down, and we weren't covered. This morning, I filed bankruptcy proceedings, and I'm closing up for good. What? I trust you'll find a new position, and I do wish you good luck. Well, uh, thanks. By the way, Bickerson, would you mind sending back that two-week salary I gave you? I need every penny I can scrape together. Yeah, um, sure, I'll send it. Uh, goodbye. Well, did you hear that, Blanche? No, what was it? My boss, Mr. Guernsey. I lost my job. <gasps> wonderful! Wonderful? What's so wonderful about it? Now you can collect your unemployment insurance. Oh, Blanche. Good night, John.
You pilots, get off of my lawn. We're trying to do a radio show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here. <laughs>